Welcome, my pretties. Please do come inside, grab a beer, and have a seat, because things are about to get spooky. Hello and welcome to the Spook Inn. I am your host, Saf, and this is the show where I drink beer and talk about horror movies. Today on the show, I am drinking a new Belgian Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin and Spookin' with Michael Myers. Alright, as I said, it's the Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin from New Belgium. It is 6.4% ABV and 10 IBUs, which is the Dr. Frederick Mixter. He is the 10th person killed by Michael Myers, and that is on our geek horror IBU scale. It is a pumpkin ale featuring cinnamon and habanero chili peppers for just the right amount of heat. And this will connect to Michael Myers because he is frequently set on fire or like blown up or in a building that blows up, let's say. As far as the can, let's take a look at that. We've got our typical skeleton ranger, voodoo ranger. He's got his sunglasses on and his flyer helmet, flyer cap, whatever old pilots used to wear. It looks like it's got a little skull on the front with sunglasses, like his logo. Uh, A nice bandana that's all torn up, wrapped around his neck. That's not going to protect you from COVID. I'm sorry, sir. Maybe (laughs) maybe that's why he's a dead skeleton. Uh, He's got this cool 80s leather jacket with the spikes on the shoulders and a little pin of a skull, and a fire-breathing pump jack-o'-lantern patch on his left shoulder. And that's over like a tan or dirty white t-shirt. So uh, I like these new Belgium Voodoo Ranger cans. I don't really buy them often because uh, I like to support my local beer, and New Belgium is not local for me. But I do like their Voodoo Ranger cans because they all have this cool skull skeleton character and he's in different outfits that somehow relate to the beer we've got the atomic pumpkin written in this nice white font and then under that it says special release but special is crossed out and in that over that it says spicy so this one's gonna be hot as they say the beer color it's a golden orange color uh pretty dark i would say Kind of like the outside of a pumpkin. I don't have any horror scales created yet for this show. So, oh man, Blanca's pretty scary looking. Let's go with Blanca shorts or Clayface. Clayface is a villain. It's around that area, 11, 12. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to put But then I look at it in a different light and I could go down a whole nother row. So just depending on the lighting, I'm going to go with the Clayface. Batman villain from the animated series. Now let's give it the old sniff test. Definitely getting the cinnamon in up front and then a little bit of a pumpkin-y after smell. Not getting much heat on the nose, but uh, hopefully that'll come through when I taste it. Yeah, the up front is a nice cinnamon flavor with hints of pumpkin. Not too much, not an overpowering pumpkin, just a nice little layer of pumpkin. And then you get the habanero burn on your throat that as it's going down. And then you, that's the kind of what's stuck back there. It's just like a little bit of tingle. And I don't mean Lynx, friend. Overall, it's got a pretty decent flavor. A nice like candy pumpkin, pumpkin pie almost with that heat that I do so enjoy. I'm somewhat of a heat seeker. Let's look at Untapped before I give you my final review. There are... Whoa, 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 whoa. 87,861 ratings. Uh, over 100,000 uh, total check-ins. And uh, the average is 3.61. Any of my buddies check this in? Let's see. The Duke from Duke in with the Duke. He gave it a three and a half, but as he always does, 
He did not leave a comment. James R. Hum, not as good as I remember. And he gave it a 275. And Mr. Gone, Chris Leland. This was really good. Very glad I decided to get some. It has a nice pumpkin flavor with a little bit of a spiciness to it. Super tasty. I think we said about the same thing. Um, and he gave it a 4 out of 5. Oh, here's James R's. So he said, last he said, not as good. Gave it a th um, less than a three. And here he is checking it in for the first time. First pumpkin beer of the season, and it's a good one. Just enough heat. And he gave it a four and a half that time back in the year 2000. In the year 2020. And his last check-in was in 2021. So he did not try it in 2022 to see if it is improved or not. Uh, let's go to the Riff Raff non-friends and see if anybody's got any good comments that we like to shout out. Mostly just a bunch of um, ratings, not actual comments. Jeff Eckert. Official side-by-side. -side. New Belgium uses habanero. Mine uses Carolina Reaper. There's a sweet cinnamon spiciness. Lighter body and very drinkable. Heat lingers a bit. And he gave it a 425. So I guess he does a homebrew or he works at a brewery. Uh, it says he's at the West, Mif West Miffin homebrew. So he must homebrew and he makes a pumpkin ale with Carolina Reaper. And in the photo is a little side-by-side -side picture, but he didn't actually say if he likes this one more or less than his. That would have been nice to know. Uh, here's one more, and then I'll get to my rating. I don't want to spend too long just reading people's shit. Matthew Lupoli. Wow, I wasn't expecting that to be so spicy. Chili pepper spicy, that is. Uh, and he gave it a four. I don't. He thought he was making a joke, but... I don't get it if, if it was. Uh, but I have checked it in before, and what I said was I like this the uniqueness of this beer. And uh, I gave it a 375. I'm going to stick with that. I've, I agree with that statement I made back a few months ago. I do like the uniqueness, and uh, I really enjoy the, like, spiciness and then it's not too overly pumpkin because as i've said before on drink in geek out uh when we've tried pumpkin beers i'm not a huge fan of pumpkin beers or pumpkin flavoring in drinks in general like coffees and whatever I'm, i like the pumpkin pies and whatnot but not really the the drinks uh but this one's just like a nice cinnamon flavor with a hint of pumpkin and this really nicey nicey spicy finish All right, that means it's time to talk about Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise. Halloween is a slasher media franchise that consists of 13 films as of this recording, uh, as well as novels, comic books, video games, and other merchandise. The film primarily focused on Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium as a child for murdering his sister, Judith. Fifteen years later, he escapes to stalk and kill the people of the fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Michael's killings occur on the holiday of Halloween, of which all of the films primarily take place. Weirdly worded sentence. Uh, the original Halloween, released in 1978, was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, produced by Hill, and directed by John Carpenter. I wish... Uh, Scarlet Lane, a local brewery here, has like a Deborah Hill tribute ale or something that they do every now and then. I should have got that for this episode. I really fucked up. Uh, but I don't think they have it at this time. Uh, if they, uh, here's a promise I'll make to you that <laughs> who knows if I'll fulfill, but when that beer comes in cans or bottles, I will review it on the show either as a special episode or maybe on Drinking Geek Out. Uh, okay, back to this. 
The film, inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and Bob Clark's Black Christmas, is known to have inspired a long line of slasher films. That why That's why this uh, franchise is super important to me and many people around the globe. The franchise is notable for its multiple timelines, continuities, remakes, and reboots, which can make it confusing for new viewers. Forbes said it's the choose-your-own-adventure of horror movie franchises. The film have collectively grossed over $773 million at the box office worldwide. The film series is ranked first in the United States box office in adjusted 2018 dollars when compared to other American horror film franchises. It helps to have this many entries as well. The original film received critical acclaim while the 2018 film received mostly positive reviews. The other films have... <laughs> either received mixed to negative reviews from critics. I gotta say, overall, I do like the franchise. There are a few duds here and there, but most of the time I just enjoy this type of slasher horror movie, and um, I appreciate that Michael Myers is kind of the father of all of the other slasher series, series going forward. A few stats about the franchise. The Halloween franchise has endured endured for over 40 years, and Jamie Lee Curtis has appeared in a new Halloween movie in six different decades, being in 78, 70s, 81, 98, 2002, 2018, and 2021. This is a unique franchise because... There are three different movies that are just titled Halloween. So we've got the original, uh, a remake, and a direct sequel to the original that was released 40 years later and used the same title. And there are two movies called Halloween 2, which is the second Halloween and the remake or the sequel to the, the Rob Zombie remake. And then we have Halloween 3, which is completely unrelated to all the other movies. Michael Myers isn't in it. I don't even know if it takes place in Haddonfield. Uh, So that's just a weird outlier. I know that John Carpenter's original plan was to just release a new Halloween movie every year with an anthology. They're not related at all. Uh, But people weren't expecting that at the time since the second one had Michael Myers in it. They were expecting him to return for the third one as well. And then there are multiple sequels that just rewrite the history of the franchise and changed what happens in the previous movie. So Halloween four for just pretends like Halloween three doesn't exist. And that goes four, five and six. And then in Halloween seven, they pretend like three, four, Five and six don't exist and just one and two exist and then there's a there's a one after that and then there's a remake that pretends like none of this ever happened before and there's a new new brand new timeline and then there's the 2018 movie which is a direct sequel to halloween one and forgets everything in between exists so you really have to like pay attention to what you're watching and maybe do some research before you jump in because you know like Oh, what happened to Jamie, the little girl from Halloween 3 or 4? Why isn't she in uh, H2O or 2018? Uh, that's because that she doesn't exist in this that timeline. The closest thing I can compare it to is the Legend of Zelda timeline, where it's like it splits off and this these games don't exist in this timeline. In this timeline, uh, Link defeats Ganon. In this timeline, he doesn't. It, there's... uh, That's the only thing I can think to compare it to. Then I also have the kill counts. In Halloween 1, he kills 5 people plus 2 dogs. Halloween 2, he kills 10 people. And Halloween 2 takes place the very next day. So over that Halloween weekend or whatever it was, he killed 15 people and 2 dogs. Uh, Then I skipped Halloween 3 because he's not in it. Halloween 4... He kills 18 people, most people yet, plus a dog. You mean, he's got to kill a dog every now and then. 
Halloween 5, 13 people, and another dog. And then Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, he kills 23 people. He's going on a spree. Uh, then that's the last movie in that timeline. So that timeline, he kills 69 people, averaging 11.8 people per movie. Then we get to Halloween H2O, he only kills 6. Halloween Resurrection, he kills 11. Then that that's the end of that timeline. There's four films, 1, 2, H2O, and Resurrections. He kills 32 people in that timeline, which is an average of 8.5. Then we get to the remakes, the Rob Zombie reboots. In the first one, he kills 27 people, plus 15 animals. And then Halloween 2, he kills 18 people, plus a dog. And that, that's the end of that timeline. And that is 45 people total between two movies, averaging 27 and a half people per movie. That Those are brutal. I'll talk about those later. And then we get to Halloween 2018, the recent new trilogy. He killed 19 people in that. Halloween kills, he kills 39. And then Halloween ends, he only kills three. Uh, and then that's the end of that timeline. So that includes Halloween 1, Halloween 2018, kills and ends. So that's four films. He kills 66 people, uh, averaging 14.75 per film. And that's pretty close to the average of the original timeline. So overall, he's killed 192 people. And averages 16 people per film. That's quite about a lot of people. Alright, now let's get into my ranking of the Halloween franchise. And this is as of recording. As I rewatch these movies, sometimes they shift, move up and down. Or as new movies release, I kind of reassess the franchise. But as of the date of this recording, my number one is Halloween 1978, the original. Just because it's a classic, it's so well done. There's You see just the right amount of killing and a lot of teasing of Michael. It's just like kind of the perfect slasher movie from for that era. Then my number two is Halloween 2018. That's a direct sequel to the previous one on my rankings, and it... It does a great job of bringing Michael back 40 years later and having a battle with Jamie Lee Curtis one more time. And like, there's a, it does a great job of establishing what Michael's been up to for the, over these years and how Jamie Lee Curtis's character has kind of gone off the rails and is like just how she's been preparing her whole life for Michael Myers return. The next on my list is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which uh, after the kind of bad reception from Halloween 3, they decided to bring Michael Myers back kind of from the dead, but never really establishing how he survived the explosion slash fire. And Loomis is back uh, surviving that same explosion slash fire. And both of them seem to be fine, just <laughs> some scars. It takes place like... 10 years later or something and Laurie Strode has had a kid Laurie is Jamie Lee Curtis's character but she's I think they say she's dead and we're just following her daughter around and she's like a little 10 year old and her character's named Jamie so that's why I wanted to specify which Jamie I was talking about the name her Jamie as a nod to Jamie Lee Curtis because she did decided not to return her to the franchise at that point I think this is a good return to form for the franchise uh, at that time and it's a nice story it's pretty simple slasher movie back to its roots type thing next on my list is halloween h2o 20 years later from 1998 this is the one that brings jamie lee curtis back for the first time uh it's around the time in our lives our collective history where uh, the scream franchise is kind of revitalizing the slasher the love for slashers in america and like 
those were such a big hit that all these movies came back and were doing gangbusters in the box office box offices so uh this is another i think dimension same even uh it's even the same studio as scream so it's really got that filth all over it i love the scream series and i really have a soft spot for this movie just because of that feel and just because it's the first halloween movie i actually saw because i was at the right age at that time and ll cool j's in it and he's really huge in this moment and just everything comes together pretty well even though it's a bad halloween movie now that i've gone back and watched all the other ones i just have such a soft spot in my heart for it number five on my list is halloween five the revenge of michael myers which is just a great sequel to halloween four it just continues right where that one ends basically and uh it's just more of that feeling it doesn't do anything extra or less it's just kind of right there with it now number six on my list probably kind of controversial controversial just based on the reviews from this movie but it's halloween ends the last halloween movie that came out i know people kind of rag on that movie i think mostly because michael myers is barely in it after halloween kills he well i'll get to halloween kills later (laughs) but uh like his presence is felt throughout the movie but you don't see a ton of his character we have a new character like Corey callahan or whatever his name is and i don't think people enjoyed that but i've seen interviews where the director writer whoever writer director explains like i couldn't do an origin story for michael myers nobody wanted that nobody would have appreciated that and it's been attempted before and been shot down by audiences but he wanted to explain like kind of the backstory why michael myers is so evil why he is the way he is without actually explaining it so he made up this new character and kind of so you could relate the two characters and be like maybe understand Michael a little more through the way this character is treated and the way he reacts to the situation. But I think people just didn't understand how the evil of Michael Myers got passed on to this other guy, which that's up to interpretation, I guess. Uh, the only real complaints is it's they sped through the relationship of Corey and Laurie Strode's granddaughter. And uh, like they just meet and like all of a sudden they have the biggest fight in the world and that now they're running away together and all that uh it really didn't make sense but i like that they attempted something new with the franchise and it, it was a decent ending just the way the final battle between laurie and michael which i won't spoil next up is halloween 2 the sequel to the first halloween which uh it's it's right down the middle it's at the seven spot. There's nothing special about it. It's just I like they continue. the They pick up right where the first movie ends and give you like a little bit more of an idea what happened that night. But it's kind of boring what happens that night. So I can't, I don't love it. I just like the idea of it existing, I guess. Because Laurie Strode's in the hospital bed most of the movie. And then Michael is just kind of wandering around the hospital killing people. And that's the whole thing. It's pretty short. And Jamie, or Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't have a lot to do. She's mostly, like, passed out in a bed while other things are happening around her. But it's got a pretty satisfying conclusion, and then they negate it in the next movie. So, All right, number eight is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Potentially, I don't know, maybe ten years ago that would have been a controversial sh- choice. People despise this movie because Michael Myers isn't in it, but going back and watching it, uh, I think that people have found a new appreciation for it knowing it was just like the audiences at the time in 1982 a year later after halloween 2 they were expecting oh halloween 3 more michael what how did he survive and all that and no michael's no longer part of this franchise and neither is any of the other characters we like it's all a whole new story and it's about some weird company using uh stones or pieces of stonehenge putting them in halloween masks and when children wear them and watch this tv show at nine o'clock or whatever time it'll their 
their heads turn into bugs and they like melt. I don't know. It's it's super weird, but it's an interesting kind of uh, detective story. And uh, there's just a lot of fun, interesting things going on in that movie. Uh, next up, number nine is Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is not great. I think the director's cut is better. The original cut introduced, well, I think they both have this character. The like, I think they, he's called the man in black who just kind of is creeping around in the background most of the movie. And there's like, he's got like this cool introduction introduction where he steps off this bus in this awesome costume. And you're like, Oh, who's this guy? And then I don't know. He just never explained in the original cut. I think I get the two cuts confused, but in one cut, he's just a character that's walking around and he, I don't think he ever does anything uh, until the end. He kind of like one gives one line of, dialogue and i think helps them escape from jail or something but uh in the other cut you find out there's this whole cult of thorns that is using michael myers somehow he michael myers has this cult of thorn they all have this tattoo and somehow they he's like kind of a zombie or whatever controlled by the cult of thorns they resurrect him and use him to fulfill a prophecy or kill people they don't really get into it too much but that's what we learn in that movie i believe and paul rudd's in it i think paul rudd's in this one <laughs> he's pretty good next up is number 10 halloween resurrections uh maybe another controversial choice i don't know i have a weird list uh, this movie's bad it it kills laurie strode in like the first scene and then <laughs> the rest of the movie is about them filming a reality show inside michael myers childhood home where they have to like sleep there overnight, survive 24 hours, and they win a million dollars. Little do they know, Michael Myers is still alive. They thought he got killed in the previous movie, but no, that was a imposter. And <laughs> I forgot that they they changed the ending to Halloween because at the end of Halloween H2O, Laurie Strode chops Michael Myers head off with a mask or head off with an axe. And then this one sets up. Oh no, that was a guy. It was the ambulance driver of the ambulance that Michael Myers was in. But he switched clothes with him, and uh, Lori Strode killed the wrong guy. So he's still out there. He now he's going home, and they're filming a reality show, a very 2002 reality show where it's just surviving this house overnight. It's like real world type camera work and stuff. But then uh, Michael comes in, starts killing everybody one by one, knocking out the cameras and stuff. Anybody that gets in his way is dead. Until Busta Rhymes. Yeah, he's in it. He, like, does some kung fu bullshit and <laughs> kicks Michael Myers through a wall. It's it, This one is, like, a so bad it's good, almost. That's that where we're at in the franchise at this point. Now, number 11 is Halloween Kills. I had a problem with this. It's very 2020. There's, like, mobs and just everybody's pissed off. They really want to kill Michael Myers. It's, like, because... He killed like five people and now the whole town is like a big mob chasing down Michael Myers and like killing innocent people that are getting in their way because they're just on a rampage. It's very January 6th feeling and it's not enjoyable for me to watch because of that. There are some good moments, I will admit, but just all of the uh, evil dies tonight chanting and stuff, just it's too much. It's too much yelling and too much anger to be enjoyed by me but it, I, I understand why people like it there's a cool moment at the end where the mob is like kicking the shit out of michael myers and then he just gets up and kills them all one by one but other than that i just don't enjoy that one so much then number 12 is halloween 2 the rob zombie halloween 2 i should say that's i need to specify which halloween 2 i'm talking about you know uh this one it does some in creative choices uh different like uses pretty interesting imagery points with like this white horse and like angel type deals uh it's a little spooky and there's a lot of michael killing people so it's interesting i don't like the rob zombie aesthetic where everything's dark and it looks like the dirtiest bathroom in the world i it's just so grimy and gross to look at uh that's why i don't ever watch these two movies because the last one on the list, number 13, is Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, that spends like an hour and a half on Michael Myers 
or maybe an hour. I'm, I'm, I'll just be generous and say an hour on young Michael Myers, where he's like in an institution. Well, you see him at home with his family and he's got a dickhead stepfather. Uh, they're all like kind of rednecky and abusive and mean. And he's bullied at school. So you learn all this. Like he's just like a tortured young boy and everybody's picking on him and every, he has nothing to turn to. So he kills his sister, goes to the insane asylum, and then we're in the insane asylum with him and watch his whole journey, the 15-year journey, basically, with his mom still coming to visit him, uh, talking about Lori sometime. Well, he knows he's got a baby sister named Lori, so setting up that they are related. And this some, <laughs> some of these movies, they are related. Some of them, it's just a coincidence. He just lives in the same town, unrelated, and likes to chase Lori around. But this one, they're re- related, and they know each other. Well, she's an uh, infant at the time, so she doesn't really know her brother, but he'll, she'll know her later, know him later. Uh, and it's just kind of a worse version of the first movie. There's no reason to ever watch it, and no reason for it to exist. Just watch Halloween 1978, which is number one on my list, as I said. I think I did this backwards. I should, it would have been more exciting to reveal my favorite, but this is how I'm doing it. That's how I did it last time, and how I'll do it next time. Okay, that means it's time to talk about the music and the taglines of the Halloween franchise. Here we're listening to the main title theme from the original Halloween, and all of these will be the main title themes, uh, just so we get the idea of how the movie sounds. This one is composed by John Carpenter. Uh, He did the first three films. Instead of utilizing a more traditional symphonic soundtrack, the film's score consists of primarily a piano melody played in a complex 5-4 time signature. It took Carpenter three days to compose and record the entire score for the film. Following the film's critical and commercial success, the Halloween theme became recognizable apart from the film. You'll hear it every Halloween, everywhere you go. And it's easy to see why. It's such a great song. It's got the the creepy vibes all the way through it. Uh, I just love this simple piano chord. And then how it like gets into that, uh, this part right here where it gets into like the more dramatic beats. And it's got kind of this chugga-chugga, chugga-chugga sound in the background that's very interesting. Man, so good. I could just do it all day. But we've got to move on to Halloween 2. Alright, a lot spookier right off the bat. I love that little sting right there. I wish they would use that more. Every time in they, that is in this film, it's so effective. You just like see a flash of Michael. Incredible. very underrated song you don't hear this one a lot you hear the one from halloween one but this one might be better it's so scary and now we have the michael myers theme just a little sped up Oh, I forgot to mention, the tagline for the previous movie, The Night He Comes Home. Man, this is amazing. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's the same composer, John Carpenter, who created the franchise and did this, directed the first film in this one and did the music. Very talented guy. Uh... The tagline is simply 
from the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he comes home. Play on that. Alright, we gotta move on, but man, I could listen to this all freaking day. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, from 1982. Very more electronic. Probably bad phrasing on my part, but you know what I mean. So synthesizer-y, with this nice bass drum. Which fits with the film because it's got like this whole like VCR vibe. Very 80s. The tagline for this one is the night no one comes home. Because Michael's not there. He's not coming home. This one is another one of my favorites in this uh, list of theme songs very also very underrated John Carpenter knocks it out of the park every time I wanted to mention I forgot earlier the there's like this little Easter egg with the the fonts of the titles and the the text on the the opening credits pretty interesting halloween one two and three have specific fonts and then the recent halloween halloween kills and halloween ends use those same three fonts in that order it's pretty cool now let's go to listen to number four or halloween four Ooh, what was that noise All right, we're back with that original Halloween theme, pretty hard. This one's got more of like a Jingle Bells instead of that Chugga Chugga. This score was performed by Alan Howarth, uh, who was the assistant to John Carpenter for Halloween 2 and 3. Haworth gained approval from Dwight Little before he could accept the offer, creating a new score that referenced the original, but with a synthesizer twist, kind of tying together Halloween 3 with the original. Uh, Other credits for Haworth include Jamie's Nightmare, Return of the Shape, and Police Station. He also worked on They Live, Halloween 5, which I'll talk about in a moment, and Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers, which I'll also talk about shortly. This is another good version of the original theme. Not quite as good, but I do enjoy this section of the song quite a bit. A lot of weird, like, pipe and bonging noises and the sped up Halloween 2 kind of let's listen to 5 a little slowed down we got that click track in the back more of uh, like a mouse clicking noise than that chugga chugga that we heard in the first kind of back to the piano it seems like Man, I forgot. The tagline for the previous movie was he's back with a vengeance. 
Oh no, that's a tag. Shit, that's a tagline for this one. For the previous one, it was ten years ago he changed the face of Halloween. Now he's back. All right. Uh, the same composer. His award-winning sound designs have appeared in the first six Star Trek films: Raiders of the Lost Ark, Poltergeist, Back to the Future Two and Three, and The Little Mermaid and Total Recall. A lot of my favorite movies there. I'm curious how he did with Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Interesting start. It's like a plane taking off. And now we've got like an electric guitar version, almost? Maybe. We're in the mid-90s now, so... It definitely feels like it. That mouse clicking noise is now like a ding a ding a ding a ding. I don't mind this version. It's interesting. Alan Howarth's team received an Academy Award for Best Sound Effect for The Hunt for Red October and Bram Stoker's Dracula, direct, both directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that song. Tagline for that was six times the terror, six times the fear, six times the thrills. Now we're on H2O. Kind of sounds like a romance movie at this point. Not very Halloween at all. Oh, here, hear it. He's coming. You thought you were safe all this time for 20 years, Lori. But there's Michael sneaking up on you. John Ottman and Mark Baltimore Baltim- composed this one. Ottman is best known for collaborating with director Brian Singer, composing films including Public Access, The The Usual Suspects, Superman Returns, Valkyrie, Jack, and Jack the Giant Slayer, as well as the X-Men franchise. For his work on Singer's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Ottoman won the Academy Award for Best Film Editing. Marco Baltmer, Baltrami, has worked in a number of genres, including horror with Scream, Mimic, Resident Evil, A Quiet Place. He also did some action with Terminator 3, Live for Your Die Hard, and World War Z, and also science fiction with iRobot, Snowpiercer, Westerns with Return to Humor, and Jonah Hex, and superheroes with Hellboy, The Wolverine, and Logan. Tagline for this is the summer. Tara won't be taking a vacation. Interesting. Not, I don't like this score at all. But let's see what Resurrections has to offer. Alright, they found it. They must have pulled this out of the recycle bin or something. Here we have the actual Halloween theme. It's done by... Danny Lux. His film credits include uh, this and Stolen Summer, both in 2002. TV credits include the theme music for Sliders, Million Dollar Mysteries, Crisis Center, first Emmy nomination, Profiler, second Emmy nomination, and Boston Legal.
Yeah, this one's pretty solid for being in the crappy movie. I am enjoying it. It's kind of back to the piano, but they're really hitting those piano keys hard. Tagline for this, evil finds its way home. Really hitting the home thing here. Not bad Halloween Resurrections, not bad. Now we now we're into the Rob Zombie era. Definitely has the vibes of Halloween 1. They kind of draw out those piano keys with some drama. I don't know what you call that. Uh, the composer is Tyler Bates. He is an American musician, producer, and composer for film, television, and video score, video game scores. And I'm not talking about high scores. I'm talking about music, guys. Don't be silly. Much of his work is in the action and horror film genre with films like Dawn of the Dead, 300, Sucker Punch, Halloween 1 and 2, and my personal favorite, the John Wick franchise. And uh, I really get John Wick with this, like, the way he, these notes are dragged down. Uh, that appears in some John Wick films, I've noticed. Let's see what Halloween 2 is, if it's the exact same or not. I honestly can't remember. That's how much I avoid rewatching these zombie movies. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Walking Dead zombies, guys. Come on, stop being so silly. Sounds like I'm tuning in a radio. Oh, shoot! Where'd you come from? This one's a little kooky. Kind of sounds like it's playing in a trash can. Which is where it belongs, because it's garbage. Uh, the tagline for this is, Family is Forever. Let's move on from this. All right, we're back with Halloween 2018, and you know who else is back? John Carpenter. He's composing this with his son, Cody Carpenter, and his son's friend, Daniel Davies. I think it's that's actually John Carpenter's nephew or something. I'll, we'll talk about that later. Really good. I like this version. After previously providing the score for Halloween 1, 2, and 3, John Carpenter confirmed that he had made a deal to score 2018. Regarding his take on the sequel, he said, I'll be consulting with the director to see what he feels. I could create a new score, I could update the old score and amplify it, or I could combine those two things. I'll have to wait and see what the film requires. I really dig this version. It really fits the film well. Let's see what he did in Kills. Alright, this is a more simplified version. Just piano so far. Oh, and we got like some chanting. Maybe some mob chanting. 
Cody Carpenter is an American musician and composer. He's the son of John Carpenter, as I said, and actress Adrienne Bardot. Carpenter is mostly known for his work for with his father, as well as various solo projects. Oh, tagline. <laughs> Gosh, I'm forgetting to do this every time. For the previous one is Face Your Fate. Tagline for this, You Can't Kill the Boogeyman. And maybe I missed it. Halloween 2, Family is Forever. Again, really great, really great job, John Carpenter. And Cody Carpenter. I like it. I like it a lot. But we gotta move on. We're hitting an hour. Alright, Halloween ends. I like that bass in the back instead of the chugga chugga it's now it's just like a heartbeat or something very deep drum uh, so Daniel Davies is a British American composer a mu- uh, and songwriter uh, he's best known for his con- contributions to John Carpenter's Lost Themes and Lost Themes 2 albums and for his work with the rock band Year-Long Disaster, Karma to Burn, and CKY. Davies is the son of guitarist Dave Davies of the Kinks and grandson of John Carpenter. Alright, that's gonna do it for this episode of Spookin' with Saf. I hope you enjoyed this look into the Halloween franchise. Uh, if you have any, or if you think my rankings are way off base or would like to comment on them, check us out on our social, all of our social media at drink in geek out. And you can also find us on drinkingeekout.com or email us. It's all drinkingeekout. Everything. And that's gmail.com, whatever. And we, and also, Buy some, check out our merch on, we're on Threadless, Public, and uh, you can find links for that on Instagram. That'll do it for this week. Now I declare this meeting of Spookin' with Saf closed. Until next time, drink up and pleasant dreams, everyone. <laughs>